Blog Talk Radio. since last week. But here I am again, and here is the song again. Just happy, right there, happy to kind of grate on my eardrums. All righty then. Hi, everybody. This is the Radelichen Broadcasting Network Movie Review Podcast. I'm back. I'm Robert Winfrey. I was gone last week, and boy, am I glad. Uh, I'm glad for a couple of specific reasons, and I'll be very brief about this. Uh, Mark mentioned last week I got the opportunity opportunity excuse me to go on a river rafting trip down a stretch of the Green River, which was very fun. Even before that, I had told Mark I would not be doing the Turtles movie. I just I, I can only take so much, and I can only take so much of Mark and I yelling at each other over crappy movies like that, which is the exact situation we would have found ourselves in. Because for those of you who haven't listened to the review, I encourage you to do so, but Mark loved it, and I I just, there's nothing about that movie that appeals to me in any sense. I would have hated every single solitary minute, every minute attached to the minutes before and after. It just, it would have been awful, and he and I would have been yelling, and nothing of value would have been accomplished. So, uh, again, didn't that, many thanks to Jesse Starcher and Jason Teasley for filling in and uh, doing that review with Mark. Much appreciated. And here uh, again, I'm back because every parade needs just a little bit of a thunderstorm, apparently, which seems to be my role in these things. Uh, tonight we are reviewing the Warcraft movie, which uh, Blizzard should be subtitling "Boy, Do We Love China," because. Uh, uh, all right. Before we go any further, I'm going to bring on Mark because he's got a guest he wants to bring on. So, Mark, you went a picnic or a parade minus rain or ants, respectively. Uh, how you doing this week? I'm good. Uh, I'm sad to report that uh, I did, in fact, bring my daughter to go see Warcraft because hashtag you're never Y-O-U apostrophe R-E, Sarah. Uh, dark. It was a theater. I was rushing. Hashtag, you're never too young for high fantasy. I brought my daughter to go see Warcraft, hoping someday she and I can enjoy the the Lord of the Rings trilogy and she can watch her dear old man have a good cry, uh, as I always do with those movies. Uh, I wanted to to establish early uh, her enjoyment of high fantasy and so that we could have that bond as father and daughter. And her reaction to the Warcraft movie was, I didn't understand what the troll was on about. And why did the baby keep snarling? So we're off to a rough start. 
she she was kind of bored. You should have made, there, were, there were better choices for the introduction to high fantasy. Yeah, at this point, I'm thinking about Beastmaster, um, which is a, which is on the level of what this movie was, in my opinion. But I guess we'll get to that shortly. Um, but I tell you, uh, it's it's a father it's a father daughter thing and a father son thing. This high fantasy, and the man that got me into high fantasy, the man that got me into movies. He said, you know, when I was just a lad, he said, go to the video store. The video store is your oyster. Just choose anything. Try not to wander into the porn section, you little pervert. But pick anything off the wall. Bring it home. I don't care if it's right at all. You go ahead and watch it and enjoy it. It's really not only established my love of high fantasy, but my love of film itself. Here he is, my dear old man, straight out of the golf uh, courses of Florida, Mr. Christopher Radlich. How do you do, sir? Man, just doing fine. And, uh, yeah, well, you know, I feel as there's a lot worse you can do than watch R-rated movies in life, even at a young age, as long as you always remember it's a movie. That's right. And we do always remember that it is, in fact, a movie. Um, before we get into the podcast, and I kind of hand the reins back over to Robert, Dad, you've seen just about everything you've covered. Um, you know, you saw Civil War, you saw X-Men, you saw Warcraft, which we'll talk about momentarily. Uh, you saw a couple of other things. Just real quick, so the good people who listen to this podcast kind of know what they're, what they're getting here. Because with Robert, um, he's the critic. For, he, he's, uh, he's Jay Sherman. Everything stinks. Right, Robert? <laughs> I, disagree, I disagree with your fundamental characterization. However, for the purposes of our <laughs> dynamic, sure, I'm the negative one. <laughs> Uh, and then there's me, who's poly positive, who loves just about everything, except occasionally I, go, I, I start screaming about how things don't make sense. Um, for the most part, I, I've liked just about everything that came out this summer to one degree or another. Why don't you just quick, I'm going to name a few movies and you, you know, give me you know, 10 words or less on them um, so the people know where you're coming from. Let's start right off the bat with the most obvious one, one that did the best so far this summer. Civil War, what was your thought? Well, frankly, I didn't like it. I, it was overly drawn out. Uh, I wasn't crazy about the plot. Like you said, the major villain really had little to do with it. And uh, I don't know. I found it a bit boring. All right. We're on. We're, on, we're good stuff. We're on the right track here. Uh, X-Men. I loved X-Men. I just saw that today. And uh, aside from I thought Magneto had a little too much power, you know, was able to do too much. Uh, I thought they handled the story very well. Uh, I see Wolverine just had a cameo in there. <laughs> what did you think of his cameo? Uh, it was kind of true to the version of Wolverine I know, but uh, not quite. I mean, I've never seen him portrayed as a rampant killer before. Oh, so that was new. That was news. Now, do you remember? Now, you were also the person that got me into comic books, much to your chagrin, because then I went crazy, as you would say. I started reading way too many of them for the amount of money that I made, or I was able to earn at that age. Um, but my question to you is, did you read any of the Wolverine books at all? Uh, I don't think I've read much about the X-Men since uh, they went, Marvel went to multiple covers for the same issue. Uh, which probably is around the early 90s. Hey, where have you, where have you heard that before? Huh, that's a pretty common complaint for anyone who is of an appropriate age to have realized that particular decision was a tad dubious. 
Yes. Uh, let's I, see. I mean, you know, I, I was perfectly willing to give him hard-earned money for uh, the comics, but then to suddenly come up with nine versions of this, with exactly the same story, the only thing that changed is the cover. They expect me to keep you, and it just was struck me as overly greedy, and I said, screw it. <laughs> Do you hear that, Marvel? Overly greedy, and he said, screw it. Did you see Money Monster? No, I haven't seen that one yet. You're yeah, not missing Winfrey anything. Hated Winfrey hated it. I know you didn't go see Angry Birds. Why would you? Um, no. Your mother don't like uh, you know, watching cartoons, so I get it on Netflix. Uh, you haven't seen the Turtles yet, right? No, I was thinking it today, but uh, X-Men was uh, a more appropriate time-wise. Okay, um, let's go in the Wayback Machine here. Deadpool. I want to hear your thoughts on Deadpool. I've already heard your thoughts on Deadpool, but the but the world must hear your thoughts on Deadpool. A universe. I, I hated Deadpool. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Absolutely. This movie was uh, you know, about him long. being able to grow his parts back and all that stuff. You know, if he can grow it back from his body, why can't his hand grow another Deadpool? It, it just, I couldn't get past the fantasy enough to enjoy it. It just struck me as so absurd that I couldn't handle it. You hear that, ladies and I guess all I bit about, you know, just killing people at random because he feels put upon doesn't exactly fit me either. So you hear that, world? Hear that, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Robert Winfrey. My father is the only one on Earth who hated Deadpool. <laughs> I seem to recall not caring for it all that much personally. Okay. Now, see, I, you, you, you two, kindred spirits here. Uh, mm-hmm. Last one. We'll move on with this. The uh, as much as it was loved, this one was hated. Batman v Superman. I thought it was very good. I thought it uh, they handled it well. Uh, you know, a little. I believe you. You know, I haven't read the comic in a long, long time. But uh, you know, him actually defeating Superman seems a little absurd. I mean, no matter how well a suit you uh, you have armored. When you get banged up against the wall, your body still bangs up against the suit. And you hurt. Seriously. <laughs> okay. Did I miss any of them? Did you go see Jungle Book at all? What was that? Did you go see Jungle Book? No, I haven't seen it yet. It's something I want to see. And I think okay. your mother might actually enjoy that, too. So yeah, we, we, we will attempt to get to that while still. But I think I'm too late at this point. All right. So there you have it, folks. Uh Hated Deadpool, enjoyed Batman v Superman, enjoyed X Men, hated Civil War. I love it. What do you think, Robert Winfrey? Well, I think we have now found the three most diverse cross section of opinion we could possibly do for this movie outside of bringing on another kid. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, let's get to it. Warcraft, Winfrey, do your thing, sir, unless you have any questions for my father. Nah, I'm good. Hit it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Warcraft is based off of the long-running, and when I say long-running, let me, let me characterize this for you. The first or, uh, Warcraft, Orcs and Humans, real-time strategy game from Blizzard, came out in, oh, I actually have to look this up now. There you are. Was released in 1994. I imagine there are people listening to this who... We're not even born then. Uh, <laughs> Orcs and humans. 
Orcs and Humans was a rather inauspicious beginning. It's not bad, but it wasn't until we got to the sequel and then the expansion to that sequel that it really took off. Uh, incidentally, War- the, uh, Warcraft 2 and its expansion were the first real-time strategy game I ever played. Uh, so the bar got... so uh, That little Command and Conquer... So I've actually played Orcs and Humans. Uh, yeah, it, it's very much a product of its time, but it's still... a solid enough real-time strategy game. But that's just to give you all an understanding that this property is over 20 years old from a fundamental standpoint. Uh, Incidentally, I bring up Orcs and Humans as well as the sequel, uh, Tides of Darkness, because that's where the vast majority of the material for this movie is drawn from. If you just started in on the Warcraft universe with either Vanilla WoW or one of the expansions, this is all just lore to you. Some of us actually played it. Anyway, the movie opens with the Draenor, with uh, Draenor, the homeworld of the orcs, being destroyed. It has been tapped of all of its resources, courtesy of Gul'dan and the fell magic that he uses, which draws its power on life. They open a giant portal, the dark portal, as it were, send through a war party to start collecting more lives from wherever they land so that they can open the portal more permanently and bring all of the orcs over. And they can have a new home since their home world is, you know, dying and would become relatively shattered for those of us who played through Burning Crusade. Anyway, they arrive in the world of Azeroth. They, uh, we are orc, the orcs that we follow are primarily Durotan, who is the chieftain of the Frostwolf clan. His buddy, Orgrim Doomhammer, and Orgrim Doomhammer's awesome for, again, anyone who's played the games, Doomhammer is Kind of sweet. And he, uh, these two generally don't like Gul'dan. They don't like the fell magic. They just disagree with it. But their world's dying, so what are you really going to do here? They come through. He brings his pregnant wife through, who gives birth as soon as they land in Azeroth. Uh, Good old baby Thrall there. Yeah, Thrall is awesome, I really hope. I, I hope we get to see a cinematic version of Thrall. Let me just leave it at that, even though he turned into a hippie. Thrall. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that is Thrall. He is born in Azeroth. He is saved from a stillbirth by Gul'dan, who drains life from a deer or some such close by. They then begin doing what the orcs are there to do. They set up a base, they raid, they pillage, they murder, they capture humans to fuel the fell magic. They start erecting a giant, uh, another version of the Dark Portal on this side to be more permanent. The humans are understandably upset about this particular line of action. Uh, our primary human protagonist is Anduin Lothar, and boy, does he meet a sticky end later on. Uh, he, survi- he survives this movie, but uh, does not survive. There's a whole mission in uh, Warcraft 2 that involves his death, and I remember vividly just trying so hard to type out the cheat code fast enough to make your units invincible, but I couldn't do it. I could never type fast enough to save Lothar. Anyway, he meets the former wizard Khadgar, who abandoned the Kirin Tor, uh, who apparently is conducting some illegal autopsies on the deceased humans. He discovers the bits of fell magic. He and Lothar decide, well, that means we must summon the guardian of Azeroth, that's Medivh who's uh, 
the, the Christ-like visuals were a bit heavy-handed for him, my personal opinion there. Odd synopsis. I know, I know. Uh, Medivh is aware of the fell. He knows it's bad. It just drains life to fuel its power, and it's, it's not sustainable. It's not healthy. They meet with uh, the king, played by a somewhat wasted Dominic Cooper, and I mean wasted in the sense that this man is a very gifted actor, and you give him next to nothing to do. But as the orcs have been conducting a perfect, they got they got a flawless victory going on here. None of the orcs have been killed, captured, even injured to any great degree thus far. So the the humans have no idea what they're dealing with, other than fell magic is bad. So they head off to find someone to capture and interrogate. Uh, they stumble across a party. Medivh demonstrates some degree of control over the fell by draining it from a number of the orcs and killing them. They capture Garona, the half-orc, half-Drenay slave of Gul'dan. She winds up giving them uh, information after they retreat from from that particular battle about the orcs, where they come from, what their plans are. She swears some allegiance to Stormwind. Medivh begins looking for more reliable ways to fight the fell. Durotan is just slowly getting more and more uncomfortable with Gul'dan and what's supposed to be the Shadow Council, but it's just Gul'dan in this movie. Uh, Khadgar discovers that it was, that Medivh is actually helping the orcs. He's been corrupted and possessed by, who's actually a Sargeras, a high commander of all fell magics, ruler of the Burning Legion, uh, He's a bad. He's like the supreme evil from the, for the Warcraft universe. Uh, they engage in a bit of a battle. Uh, Durotan wants to make peace with the humans so they can actually live here instead of just conquering and becoming and becoming slaves to fell magic. He tries to negotiate a peace. No dice. The orcs loyal to Gul'dan break that up. The humans decide uh, there's a bit of consternation amongst the human side about how to proceed. Lothar wants to contain the orcs, whereas uh, excuse me, King Lane wants to contain the orcs. Lothar wants to damn the torpedoes and full speed ahead. Uh, Medivh, who again, we now know he is corrupted. He advises a more measured approach because it's easier. That will buy him time to actually fully open the black, the, the, dark portal and bring everybody through and you know, screw over the world of Azeroth in the process. Khadgar and Lothar engage Medivh. It goes poorly for the most part because he's a super-powered magic being. And uh, Khadgar has some magic, but he's still very young, can't even grow a proper beard. And Lothar has no magic and is just uh, the Lord Protector or some kind of high-ranking general. I forget exactly his title for this movie. The assault on the orcs goes relatively poorly for a period of time. Uh, prior to that assault, Durotan had uh, Gul'dan has decided the Frost Wolves are not worth the trouble. He has them purged. Draka dies, saving their son. Durotan uh, challenges Gul'dan to single combat. Gul'dan simply responds by draining his life force magically. This pisses off the orcs, who are a very uh, honor-bound society and civilization, and they think that Gul'dan has again, cheated functionally. Uh, Durotan dies, but Orgrim Doomhammer is able to kind of turn a portion of 
this group against Gul'dan because, come on, how, how are we going to follow this guy? Uh, the human assault commences. We get a battle. Not a very good one, but we get a battle. Uh, Medivh dies before the entire horde can be brought across. He opens a portal to Stormwind instead after he has been after the fellow has been purged from him. A bunch of the humans, including most of the prisoners, escape through this portal back to the human capital of Stormwind. But Medivh dies before everyone can. King Lane, can, who is leading this charge, convinces Garona to kill him so that she can survive, uh, claim victory and honor, and uh, be with the Horde, and then potentially negotiate a truce later on down the line, which she does. Uh, Lothar shows up after the fact to claim King Lane's body. He kills Rend Blackhand, who is the current war chief, in honorable single combat. Gul'dan doesn't care, wants him dead. The rest of the orcs disagree with that and allow Lothar to leave peacefully. He returns King Lane's body to the humans. Uh, they pledge, uh, The humans, the elves, and the dwarves all pledge their allegiance to oppose the orcs. And little baby Thrall, who is sent down a river in a basket is found by a human who's going to wind up raising him, and Thrall, beco- he's, Thrall becomes war chief of the Horde and leads them away from Azeroth to the other continent. Hence the setup for uh, War... That's actually what takes place in Warcraft 3. This movie ends with baby Thrall being discovered by kindly humans instead of murderous ones. Did I miss anything, Mark? No, I'm pretty sure you got it all there, bud. All right. Uh, before we go on, I think this is uh, Jeff Harris in queue here. I'll give him his... Uh, Two cents worth of say. Uh, area code 510, you're on the air. Hello, I'm in that kind of a busy place. Uh, hi, what are your thoughts? Well, do you hear a lot of noise in the background? A little bit, yeah. 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 Okay, so, well, I enjoyed it. <laughs> You know, the little uh, orky in the little basket going down the stream reminded me of the Moses story. <laughs> and um, I said, there's little baby Moses in the rushes. And, um, and then, you know, it also reminded me, you know, opening up that portal of the CERN controversy. And, okay. um, yeah, that's, that's what I kind of like uh, thought about. You know, as the portal was being opened to let all of these evil things through, um, that's what they say CERN is about. So that's, all, that's pretty much all I wanted to say. But I enjoyed it. Okay. Thank you. Glad you had a good time. That was not Jeff. That was not Jeff. Jeez, i got to <laughs> stop assuming that at this point. Yeah, please do. Um, I, will. I will. I will stop assuming that in the future. All right, Mark, where do you want to start with this thing? Well, um, I'm going to say my father and I uh, got into World of Warcraft after the Wrath of the Lich King expansion. Um, my, me first, and then I tricked him into playing it when I installed it on his computer without permission, um, as I like to do. And what had happened was I had a bunch of my friends from New York say, hey, we're all playing World of Warcraft. Why don't we do that as a way of still hanging out, even though you live in Tampa? Um, so I, you know, I made a character. Um, I had a bunch of people uh, you know, send, who had been playing the game forever you know, send me gold and send me equipment and everything. And, uh, you know, as I said, I installed it on my dad's computer and then we started playing together. Um, so those were fun times, right, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> so that's where we come in. We come in after Wrath of the Lich King 
And uh, a lot of the lore that takes place um, in this movie, neither one of us had any clue over. I mean, I knew it existed, but, you know, I had, I really went into this, I might as well have never played the game before and not have known anything about it. I, I, I knew about as much going into this movie as my daughter did, um, and as did my father. So uh, I just sort of accepted it on its face as, you know, a high, high fantasy movie. And I was looking for it to kind of keep my interest. I was looking for the plot to make sense. I think overall it accomplished all of those things. Um, I, it, here's the problem I, I came away with, and I'm going to pass it to my dad so to get his impression. But it felt like a dolled up 2016 version of a 1980s high fantasy movie. Um, Lord of the Rings, this was not. It, it was bereft of the sort of gravitas and inner, you know, deeper meaning that Tolkien had put into Lord of the Rings. You know, um, this little, this was Dungeons and Dragons. This, you know, this was humans and orcs, the you know, fantasy of the highest order, uh, and you know, a place to lose yourself. And it was fun. And the movie I, th- I thought, you know, was fun. I enjoyed sort of the struggle of the orcs. The orcs for me were the were the best part of the movie. Uh, the humans were a little flat, I thought. But w- where I was going with this was there wasn't anything more to it. And it didn't have to be. And, I, and I'm not one of these critics who's like, oh, because it didn't raise the level of, of, of theater, it didn't raise the level of cinema, it's a bad movie. It was. It's, movies are meant to entertain, as I said on this podcast before. And I thought it did that. I thought it was pretty consistent within its own universe. Um, and that's all it had to be. It just, you know, I like I said, I would compare it to like, Red Sonia or Beastmaster because it's a, it was about as entertaining as those kinds of movies. If you like high fantasy, it's a great movie. If it's not your thing, you're going to be bored to tears. Dad? Oh, that's about it. I, I mean, all, all that backstory just went through. Like I said, I had no clue about To me, I went to a movie that was, you know, as far as I knew, it was 100% made up. I had nothing to do with the game except involve the characters. And I found it entertaining. I mean, I, you always have to get, when it's magic, you always have to get past the fact of why do they do these things instead of just killing everybody with the magic. I mean, if he can steal all those souls to open the gate from a large distance, he could have just invited the human army in and said, sucked it all up. But, hey, then you wouldn't have the battle scene. Right. <laughs> but it's a, you know, I doubt if many of the people who watched that movie had a clue about the, you know, the game at such now it started. They just went in there to be entertained. Well, certainly the critics didn't, which is why it, critically it's doing so poorly. Um, I think if you were a fan of the game, it really comes across as a love letter to the fans. Um, and it's like, if you've played the game and you have an appreciation for the lore, you've got exactly what you would have wanted. It, it, this comes right out of the video game. Mm-hmm. If you I know it made me want to play again. And I resisted the urge, I have to say. Oh, you too? Yeah, this was like getting a tattoo for me. I walked out of that, and I almost restarted my Battle.net account. <laughs> uh, be, be careful. if you Just wait until Legion comes out, because right now, if you, playing Warlords of Farmville is... Uh... Warlords of Farmville? <laughs> Seriously, your uh, whole gar- the whole garrison setup is eerily reminiscent of how Farmville played out, so... Let me, let, me, let me say, and my father knows this, that if I start playing World of Warcraft before I retire my children turn 18, I'm going to find myself uh, seeking a third wife. Uh, yes. There's one thing. Mark tends to always get obsessive when he starts things. 
So if he starts World of Warcraft, I'll have a hard time keeping a job. <laughs> well, we invited him on, folks. Sounds right, about right. So what do you, you know, we have, I think the same person called back or somebody from the same area code is calling in. Yeah, let's go ahead and try that one then. All right, area code 510 again. Uh, oh. the same person I, you got. Nope. nope. <laughs> okay. All right, uh, that so we get caller disconnected. Uh, okay. Uh, apologies to whoever that was. If it was the same person, uh, if you got cut off prematurely, blame blog talk. It's uh, th- th- that's kind of our watchword around here. Whenever things don't go right, blame blog talk. Massive sign in the middle of my uh, uh, studio webpage that says, "By the way, we're having issues with Skype again." Uh, yeah. No. No kidding. <laughs> Sounds like my here in a place. Uh, all right, my thoughts real briefly. This felt, uh, I don't know if, we, if it felt more rushed or a tad overstuffed, which seems to have been our theme this year for summer blockbusters, is we're going to cram all this stuff into this movie, and consequently most of it is underdeveloped. Now, let me ask you a question. In terms of the first chapter of World of Warcraft and getting to a place where they could comfortably set up a sequel, what do you think they could have gotten rid of? And, I, and I'm asking that in earnest because I this isn't this isn't the Transformers issue where you know I'm strangling you and saying what is what were they supposed to cut you idiot you know we were, you know characterization what's going you know why we can't cut any of this stuff I, I'm seriously asking what were they supposed to cut here because I honestly don't know. I feel like they could have cut – this is weird, so uh, this is going to sound weird, but they could have cut the King Lane character entirely out of this movie. He did virtually nothing. Uh, as well as his wife, who is Lothar's sister. I mean, they set up Lothar as more of the leader figure than they do the actual king. And that's uh, – and, and the whole film – I won't say it suffers necessarily, but it was a decision that means you could have completely excised those characters and just established Lothar as more of that, as more of that role. Uh, Khadgar's return to the Kirin Tor seemed to serve the purpose of only – Introducing them for the sake of, hey, the Kirin Tor have to be a part of this. Uh, I mean, other than that, it, 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 they don't serve – again, th- their purpose is to have a bit of a MacGuffin that will uh, – for uh, sorry, not, not MacGuffin. They have a piece of plot exposition that needs to be dumped. And I think you could have cut that entire sequence out pretty easily or you know, leave it hanging for the sequel. Uh, the dwarves got completely undersold, which is sad because dwarves are generally awesome. Uh, the night elves actually looked like blood elves instead of night elves, but I mean, no one cares about that except me, and I'm a detail fanatic. Uh, but again, when I say this, this film feels overstuffed, it, it's not even necessarily so much what I think they should, you know cuts that should be made, it's almost like they tried to reach too far. If we, uh, oh, and all the stuff with Lothar's son. 
I mean, that, that, that exists purely to set up kind of his dislike of the orcs going forward, but it's not necessary in this case because they set up uh, Garona as a traitor, which would more than – she's – again, with Durotan dead and her being his only kind of positive encounter with that entire race, her turning on them and killing Lane would have been more than enough to justify his contempt for the species going forward. So that could have been cut. That mostly just felt like a lot of these things got shortchanged. Uh, the relationship, the friendship or what have you between Lothar, Khadgar, and Garona felt extraordinarily forced. Uh, very insincere from a writing perspective. I mean, if there's a bond that they display on screen with words more than with actions, and that is totally unearned. Uh, Medivh's manservant could have been completely cut out. And actually, I think that would have made it more interesting if we just have to see Medivh struggle with you know, his issues purely from an acting standpoint. If he has to display it without this character who is existing in this particular point in time simply to dump plot from point to point. Well, I will say this. I think that's one of my... I, I said before, the orcs, I thought, were, were drawn more interestingly than the humans were. I want to get my dad in on the discussion here, but I thought the human characters were a little flat. Um, Lothar, I thought, you know, his acting range was, uh, his emotional range was uh, a bit retarded. And I don't mean that, like, in the third sense. I mean, like, you know, he had sort of two emotions, <laughs> neither of which were, were very interesting on screen. Um, I didn't, yeah, you know, Medivh, to have him be the guardian, but not do anything that would sort of explain what makes him the guardian, and then for him to be, oh, but, you know, the big twist is, oh, I'm working with with the orcs, you know, it just... It wasn't strong enough. I thought it wasn't interesting enough. I didn't. I didn't think they they showed enough of Medivh, uh, where where there there was an emotional reaction to losing him to the other side. It, it almost made sense because the whole time you have uh, Cadgar who is suspicious of uh, uh, if not suspicious of him it is at least sort of trying to uh, uncover this mystery of the fell. And, all, and right at the beginning, you know, he snaps at him and says, no, you don't need to be involved in any of this. And, like, right there, like, like oh, boy, here it comes. The relationship between Medivh and the Kirin Tor needed to be explained a little bit. A lot of it needed to be explained. It, I thought I thought the movie sort of has two speeds. It, it, it slows down and really gives you a taste of, of what it is to be an orc and how, you know, in, in dealing with, you know, dealing with the conflict of uh, Gul'dan and the Fell and wanting to just live their lives and not be constantly uh, moving from place to, you know, from dead world to dead world. Um, and then the movie would speed up again when you got to the humans. You got really no time to, to really understand what, what's going on with them. They just happen to be almost damsels in distress. Um, go ahead, Dad. What was your thoughts in as far as how the humans were portrayed on screen versus the orcs. Well, the orcs were the interesting story. The orcs had the most, the, you know, it basically really, and, and the rest of the characters, the dwarfs and elves and all that, 
I, I just think might, might as well not even add him on there. I mean, they did absolutely nothing for the whole film, and I think don't think they were on screen for more than five minutes in the whole film. Certainly not the yeah. <laughs> the dwarves at least had the you know had the shot at the beginning where they give Lothar the boomstick. Yeah, but it ain't a whole lot, and uh, you know I really didn't find them interesting or even the human characters that much to be honest, except for the uh, the guardian there. Was the only one who actually had any real interest in my from me. What was interesting about him? Well, again, he had a lot of screen time. His uh, thing of you know, trying to fight the establishment, shall we say. <laughs> he was a lively character. And, and, you know, he talked and he did, actually did things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, I did not care for the battle sequences in this movie at all. But is that your issue with CGI? Um, Partially. Uh, the major battle at the end, a little bit of that was my just general dislike of mediocre to bad CGI, which this movie has in spades, mind you. <laughs> it's also it's also just kind of poorly put together in the sense that uh, whoever plays Garona pretty clearly has no idea how to actually swing a sword or use a spear. There, I've never seen a battle sequence that is designed in close quarters where... The people we are watching spent so much time standing and looking. <laughs> because, I mean, seriously, there's whole segments where either Lothar or Lane will just kind of stand and look at a bunch of, at the battle going on around them and have a few moments of dialogue in what, while well, theoretically locked in what's supposed to be Mortal Kombat. Let me ask you. On the order of uh, the parameters being on the, on the low end, um, the Battle of Five Armies, and the high end being the Return of the King, where would you rate Warcraft? As an overall film? As an overall film? No, I'm talking about the fight scenes. Oh, just the fight? Oh, just um, the fight. We're a little better than Battle of Five Armies here. There's a couple of instances where there's at least physical props to work with <laughs> but we're not that far off we're really not now now dad you're not much of a cgi snob what was your uh issues and i say that lovingly winfrey what was your issues with if any with the battle sequences well first of all that there was a battle sequence like i said and it didn't really make any sense that the were able to overwhelm in 10 seconds in all the other battles suddenly had this big fight on their hands. You know, and you're talking the orcs are portrayed at least three times as strong and half again as tall. So you can take that sword and maybe you'd be managed to prick them with it, but again, this is something... If if they kept the consistency in that, there would have been no battle scene. At least it wouldn't have been more than three minutes long. Okay, when you're saying no battle scene, you would have had... The orc, you know, um, just mutilate the uh, the human beings, and that was been the end of that. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, see, the when they came in, in, the troops. I mean, they, they absolutely did not. Could, yeah, this I mean, they could have literally lifted up big rocks and all. 
I, uh, I just soldiers and killed them all that way without ever going to hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't have a major problem with it. I mean, I, you're, you're sort of you're sort of made to believe that the humans have a fighting chance against the orcs, despite what you're saying. And, and while I get it, if the established rules of the universe is the humans have a fighting chance, then I'm going to allow them to have a fighting chance. Um, but then they have to do better in the early battles. What they established in the beginning was the humans were absolutely no match. I don't think yeah, Lothar's like the only guy who stands anything approaching a chance against any of the orcs. And the rest of them all just kind of get given points. <laughs> I always thought the the issue was that they was either they, they either lost because of the fell magic or they lost because they were severely outnumbered. I didn't get the sense they lost because they were overpowered necessarily on a you know one to one. Well, this is where they're, the dwarves needed to play a slightly more prominent role. What turns the tide in the battle is actually the. Uh, hand cannons that the humans come into that battle with, it's, uh, which they make a big deal out of. What we actually need there, in addition to that, is you need a bunch of dwarven snipers to kind of hold a right. rear position and just you know, overwhelm the orcs, not so much with, uh, more with technology. Right. And ingenuity as opposed to what kind of got displayed, which was, well, we've got, we've got single shot pistols now with axes on the end of them. This is, this is all we need to suddenly become competitive. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. From what I remember, they were flintlocks. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's all well and good that it. In the time it took you to load it. But again, it's fantasy, and they go in that and not the film. The film. Uh, a couple of things I one one of the things I absolutely hated in the movie. I mean, I think for the most part I liked it. Um, but one of the things like I actually couldn't stand, and this this was reminiscent of my issues with the end of Civil War, is while I understand that Lothar and his son were not close, I'm pretty sure even your you know if you're not close to your child, watching him watching them be uh, murdered in you know by by an orc should produce more than a. <sighs> Slightly annoyed reaction, and while and while I don't need Lothar to become a babbling, you know, hysterical woman about the subject, I did need him to emote a little bit, and instead he just looks surprised, you know, as if the director was like, "What we're going for here is traumatized. Can you give me traumatized? Don't emote too much. Just give me a little bit of trauma, you know, like, like you've watched a car wreck or something." It was a very odd scene because, like, you know, I un- well, I understand they, they, there's this tension between them. That should have led to I never got to say I love you. <laughs> so instead it was, eh, I wish he hadn't died. Moving on. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what? Um, what go is- t- Remember how you're talking about how the orcs have this honor code? Mm-hmm. You'll remember with the fight with the chief, he uses his magic, which is a, you know, breaking the rules to kill him. And then he says, the, the uh, bad guy there says, uh, well, if you don't like it, I'll kill you too. And they all run away. <laughs> right. Instead of overwhelming him. Um, just keeping in keeping with the, the reaction to the son's death, Winfrey, you catch, you catch what I'm put pick up what I'm putting down there, you know, as far as that was sort of bad direction. On the part of uh, the part of the actor. 
Yeah. Um, yeah um, I'm not entirely I'm not sure this particular sure actor has the necessary actor. range for that scene to begin with. Uh, if you've, he's primarily known for playing the lead in the history drama Vikings, which I haven't watched in quite some time, but it's there's not a whole lot of range required there. I understand that Lothar is a very stoic character, and couple that with the you know kind of friction that he has with his son. I understand what they're going for as far as he's not going to break down. He's not even going to. There are degrees to which it would be out of character for him to react to. Unfortunately, they don't. They tread too far on the side of stoicism for this particular, for that particular moment. And he needed um, to be much more drunk in the following sequence. Yes, yes, he did. Uh, I liked the the half deny half or character. I thought she was interesting. Though some of her, so, though some of her dialogue and reactions were, I thought, a bit unearned as well. You know, um, her deciding to to go for Stormwind, uh, just I don't know. It, 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 like you said, it's it, the movie can the movie comes across as a tad over stuff, and they're just sort of rushing through the motions and certain things in order to get to, you know, get to what brought us all to the dance here. We want to see humans and orcs fight, so we can't spend too much time. Uh, giving this woman, you know, giving this woman too much of a character because we don't, we we just don't have it. Um, which I thought was a shame because I thought she was an interesting character. Garona's a very Garona. interesting character in that in traditional canon she's half orc and half human, and actually does wind up switching sides and allying with uh, the alliance at certain points. But in this instance, making her, you know, a slave from their home world who, but. Uh, yeah, her decision to switch over to the uh, the human side of things is again rushed, and uh, the poor actress again. I am utterly unconvinced of her abilities in combat based on what she did in this movie, and she really struggled with the uh, facial prosthesis with the makeup that she had to work with. It resulted yeah, in her feeling overly emotive because she has to try and get through it. Yeah, she doesn't very she doesn't act through the makeup very well. Contrasted with, you know, Durotan or Orgrim, who are, again, mostly CGI'd, but there's a guy there doing motion capture whose facial recognition is be, is the basis for it, being able to do a much better job, coming across as kind of a character rather than, you know, someone struggling through an acting exercise. Um, anything else, Dad, that struck out to you that uh, you feel a burning desire to talk about? No, I said that I didn't even notice that, but she seemed fine to me. You know, I, I uh, but they never said she was half human, and I always wondered why she didn't look so work like. Now, they make her half grenade in this film, uh, which, again, should have been explained better. So, chalk that up yeah, to another failure of the writing. I, I, she's half grenade because I read articles about the, about the movie. Any other questions? How, how could. When did the orcs come over that she could be half-human? No, it, no, no. she's half Grenade in the movie. In the original canon, she's half-human. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Winfrey, you mentioned the king, Tony Cabell, who doesn't... Oh, sorry, Dominic Cooper, rather, who doesn't really have enough to do in the movie. Um, I mean, he, he's forced to act. <laughs> he has, he's forced to make decisions. I don't... You know, what do you want him to do in this? Do you, 
did you want him to be Gunga Din? I mean, what 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 did you expect of poor Dominic Cooper? Well, first of all, I know how good Dominic Cooper is as an actor, so my expectations are above the average as a general rule. Yeah, that's where you're wrong. Um, no. Really? And at what point did you sit through the devil's double and just kind of be blown away by his abilities? I don't know what you're talking about. No, yeah, um, I know. That's why I brought it up. But in all seriousness, uh, I feel like, you know, as, as someone sort of struggling with what to do and having different sides present him with different options and a low Thor who's sort of going off the deep end, I, I thought he was, you know, Placed well in those scenes, I thought. I, I thought as somebody who's sort of who's sort of struggling with decisions, he pulls that off fairly well. I just know, I don't know. And then his death scene, I don't know how much more dramatic that could have been. I think he's doing. I think he's doing the mon- the lion's share of acting in that. You know, paired up against the woman who played um, was Gonora, Gonora, Gorona, yeah. Gorona. You know, where she's sort of struggling, he's doing his best to produce some sort of drama, you know, in his sacrifice. So, I don't know. I don't know if that's a fair criticism. I guess that's my point. My issue is less with Cooper's acting ability, which, again, is generally very, very good. It's more about they position this king as a beloved figure who is able to inspire deep-seated loyalty from those around him, and he never actually demonstrates that until... At the, until literally less than a minute before he is knifed through the neck. <laughs> okay. We as an audience are given no reason to care about him other than, well, he's the king. You know, he's supposed to be this, again, beloved figure who has reigned over a time of peace. And we never see that as an audience. We never see any reason for his people to care about him more than, say, the average ham sandwich, apart from he's got a crown. One of the things that is sacrificed to the gods of time in this movie, um, you know, we, we talked before about, you know, what could have been cut out to sort of give more time to get to know the humans a little bit better so that when stuff happened, you'd actually have an emotional reaction as opposed to, you know, sort of an acceptance of this moves the plot forward. Um, maybe next time around, you know, if there's a, and it's going to be, and we'll talk about that momentarily in the sequel, We'll, we'll, we'll get that. Who knows? Or, or it'll be, or it'll be, or it'll be, you know, like the second Transformers movie, and, and you know, and it'll be you know, double sized over over stuff, and nothing will make sense. That's every Transformers movie, Mark, and you know it. No, it isn't. Age of Extinction was exquisite. Um, you are aware right. that I've had three different people tell me that since Mark Wahlberg's returning for Age of Extinction, they will be passing on it, which is odd because my, so, my social circle is very small, and the vast majority of them at this point are passing simply because they're reprising Wahlberg. They're reprising Wahlberg. Whatever, they're all, homo, they're all homo, um, homosexuals and communists. Right, Dad? Mark Wahlberg I can is guarantee that none of them are any of those things. Dad, wasn't Mark Wahlberg just divine in the last Transformers movie? Dad, did we lose you? Yeah, it still shows him on the switchboard. Yeah, I don't know what happened to him there. I had to step away for a minute. Oh, oh Dad, we're t- we were arguing for the millionth time of the last Transformers movie. Wasn't it great? Didn't you love it? I don't remember it. I see yes. it. Victory is mine. <laughs> Suck it. It's a dinosaur one. 
Yeah, well, I finally there's... reached the point where you could, I couldn't get into that at all. It was just so absurd. Yes. <laughs> Victory. I don't, I don't think that's fair. My father was I have external confirmation. Suck it, Mark. <laughs> it's, no, I don't accept his answer um, because it doesn't agree with mine. Uh, but mostly because he said the dinosaur one, which clearly means he doesn't remember the Dinobots because he didn't watch the cartoon. No, anyone I didn't watch watched, Anyone who watched the cartoon threw something at the screen about over that representation of the Dinobots. Everyone who saw Optimus Prime riding Grimlock. We're, we're losing the point of this review. All right, it's already been established that Age of Extinction should have won an Oscar. Let's move on. It's already um, been established you were hitting the head too much. Head too much. <laughs> My father can, can agree with that. All yes. right, Dad. Tackle foot. Tackle foot. It's always an interesting proposition. <laughs> oh, <shut up> <laughs> All right. Uh, now, Dad, I want you to hang out with us for this next part of the re- uh, review. And we- before I say that, um, last words on the review proper, any burning desires they went free, because I'm pretty much out. No, nah, I got nothing. <laughs> uh, this movie. Nah, it's, uh, I think I pretty much covered everything I thought about the movie. All right. That means it's time to talk about the money. The least important part from this. <laughs> No, Generally, uh, I agree, uh, and I, tr- I tried to cue you up there, Mark. Where was the where was where your where was your timing? You know, I thought you were gonna hit the button. I didn't want to. Okay, hit I got it. I got it. I will. Here we go. Money talk. Here comes the money. <laughs> All right, here comes the money, folks. Dad, I want you to hang out for this. Uh, I know you said the least important part on this podcast. It's the most important part. Second most important. <laughs> Me, it's the first. Um, as, long as, as long as I'm friends with Gavin Napier and we will continue to talk movies, I will always put money over craft. Um, worldwide, Warcraft made $308 million as of this writing on a $160 million production budget, um, of which nine-tenths of it was made up in foreign uh, ticket sales. Uh, if you were to just look at the domestic sales, domestic gross, it made $28 million, which makes this the biggest bomb domestically of the year uh, in, you know, in terms of uh, gross ticket sales versus budget. Um, this is the pan. This is the Jupiter rising of this year. However, it is saved from such a fate by sales uh, mostly in China. You know those damn Chinese gold farmers. They uh, they went to them. They went to the movies in Spade and loved them some Warcraft. Yeah, this movie domestically yeah, this movie could domestically not beat out a horror sequel, which ought to tell you everything you need to know about its drawing power. Yeah, now that's somewhat unfair in this instance because we're talking about The Conjuring too, and The Conjuring is one of the two finest horror movies of the last. 15, 16 years, and one of the top three of the last, like, 25. Extraordinarily well-made horror film. Scary, not in the traditional, just relying on jump scares way. I could, The Conjuring is great. And the sequel, then, is going to have some legs. Uh, James Wan has become a slightly bigger name now than he was when he first did The Conjuring. Uh, it was well-positioned, The Conjuring was here. Horror movies this time of year are a bit few and far between. Well-made horror movies are something of a rarity. 
And the competition was something that had zero buzz in the United States. So here's my question, and and, and we can just kick the ball around on this. Um, Why do you think Warcraft didn't find a bigger audience in the United States? And I'll start you off with, yes, this was critically panned. But this movie was definitely one that wasn't for so the critics. I mean, so were all the Transformers movies, and they still make money. Yeah, they made a billion dollars. So it's like, you know, so I don't think critical uh, – we, we've talked about this before. We talk about the critics more to make fun of them and how badly they do their job. But I don't think really, um, you know, a, to, a Rotten tomato score a, or, you know, summation of criticism really matters all that much in gross ticket sales, and you know, at least in the United uh, States. It does, but not for a movie like this. But it still did badly in the United States, and I want to know. My point uh, there is, there are certain films and certain properties that there is a wait and see mentality for, mm-hmm. and the critical consensus then becomes slightly more important than for again something like Transformers or in this case something like Warcraft, where people saw trailers and just made up their mind immediately, one way or the other. Um, so you think people saw the trailers and just said, nope, never mind? Something like that. I mean, you're dealing with a severe lack of star power, first of all. There's nobody recognizable in this movie. Uh, and I don't mean that in the sense that you know they are under CGI or prosthesis. I mean, even if you – the most recognizable name is Dominic Cooper. People only know him as Howard Stark. Right. And he's been wanna, given uh, you know, very little to do. Right. Do you want to weigh in here, Dad? Um, you know, Lord of the, the Lord of the Rings movies uh, you know, all did exceptionally well, but Tolkien has had generations of followings. On the other hand, World of Warcraft is played by millions of people across the, across the planet. So, again, I come back to here you have a beloved franchise, a beloved video game, who, you know, who puts out a love letter to the fans, essentially, why didn't this find a bigger audience? What do you think? I think a lot of the people who played World of... I don't know how popular it is at this point, you know, but it, let's face it, we played World of Warcraft, what, eight years ago? And we it's not that we were into the lore. I, I'm going to okay. guess that a lot of people weren't into the lore, and it was just another video game. And like you uh, said, that uh, they saw the previews and said, oh, that's nice. It didn't have any star power. It's mainly CGI. In fact, uh, you know, again, the humans played a very small role in this on a whole. Um, do you think it's a couple of years too late? And I'll, I'll go to Robert on this one. Do you think the, the problem was, at, by this point, people that are still playing the game um, may have gone to see it, but the, the, the height of its popularity, people have already moved on and they're no longer interested in the property, let alone going to see the movie. Uh, that would be my guess. Much as I hate to give credit... No, it's okay. He, I, I'm sorry. Much as I hate to give credit to Trey Parker and Matt Stone, I think World of Warcraft's cultural permutation, and uh, it peaked with the South Park parody episode. <laughs> okay. I gotta look that up now. When that was? Oh, jeez. Well, you you keep Years talking. Ago. Uh, no, I know, I know that. Um, well, it was Make Love, Not Warcraft. It was season ten, 
And it was, oh my God, that was 10 years ago. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's that's where I feel about that. More importantly, you're also dealing with lore from two games that existed prior to World of Warcraft. We're, we're, they're trying to set up Warcraft 3 into Vanilla WoW for the sequel, basically. And unfortunately, that means covering a lot of territory and covering a lot of territory that most people aren't as familiar with. And World of Warcraft's player base is, again, primarily worldwide as opposed to localized. And the Chinese seem to like it. Which means it's going to get a sequel. We're not done here yet. Uh, Universal may, you know, dodged a bullet because of uh, the Chinese market. But, uh, and, and we're going to see a Warcraft 2, probably a Warcraft 3. You and I talked before the show started about how, uh, at the very least, I think, they'll, I think they'll conclude with Wrath of the Lich King. Um, because it was, while that, that was many years ago, um, I think in terms of expansions, it was the most popular one. I think it's the one that was most talked about. Right. And then after that, I think, I think after Wrath of the Lich King, a lot of people just sort of threw their hands up and said, They've muddled the game too much. I don't want to play this anymore. What was, um, not to get too personal, but Dad, what was the reason why you stopped playing? Well, my character got stolen. <laughs> and, uh, and went to a different, ca- building up a different character, which was an orc. And after a while, it just got boring. It was the same crap over and over and over again. And starting from scratch was just uh, too much of a hassle. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't blame you. I actually remember when your character got stolen and you wanted to strangle somebody over at uh, Blizzard. Um, Robert, you want to take another phone call? Yeah, sure. Uh, area code 941. You are live on the air. What are your thoughts? 941, you're on. All righty. Per- Person with area code nine four one, uh, we can't hear you. Are you there? If if you're suffering technical difficulties, I can only advise you to try and call back. If you like butt dialed us, I apologize for taking your minutes. Okay, we're gonna go ahead and put you uh, back on mute here. If you want to give us another try in a few minutes, uh, please go ahead, hang up, and do so. Um, now, Robert, do you still play the game? Up until very recently, uh, my brother got back into it, which kind of inspired me to get back into it. I'm currently level capped. Uh, the looking for raid function helped out tremendously because raiding interests me, but I'm deeply antisocial and could never find a guild. So no, uh, I've got enough gold probably on me right, on my characters right now to buy another. Uh, bit of time if I decide to get back into it. I'm going to try this person one more time here. All right. 941, you're on the air. I give up. <laughs> All right. Go gonna... Yeah, go ahead and hang up. Um, well, they might, be, they might just want to listen. I'll let them hang up if they want to hang up. Okay. Uh, let's talk about uh, next week's competition. <laughs> And uh, where Warcraft goes from here. I'm not sure if Warcraft has opened up uh, all the way across the world just yet. Um, 
there might be some territories where it hasn't opened. So there's still a good chance Warcraft is going to pull a decent number. Uh, it's already made just about where it needs to be to be profitable, uh, give or take a few thousand. But I think I think by the end of it, million. But I think by the end of its weekend, by the end of its six-week run in theaters, it'll be fine. It'll be one of those where you know um, wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible, and it made its money, and so they're gonna greenlight a sequel, and you know, and they'll keep this thing well, going. Well, a sequel will probably be be okay in the sense, uh, especially budgetary. This movie had a hundred and sixty million dollar budget. This movie has been talked about, and I, not in like full-on pre-production, but has been worked on and worked around for over a decade at this point. A lot of different people have been involved, a lot of different writers, a lot of different directors have been in talks. It wouldn't shock me if the production budget in this instance got inflated just due to the time that this thing has been in development. Sure. I think if they greenlight it quickly enough and get it into production, uh, get a working script and don't sit on it for 10 years, I think they'll be a lot better off. But uh, I would bet donuts the dollars that um, we, we get quickly into World of Warcraft proper. In fact, if I'm producing, producing this thing, the, next, the name of the next movie is World of Warcraft, and then, and, the, and then we conclude with Wrath of the Lich King and call it a night. Depending on, you know, if we're doing Transformers numbers by then, we greenlight a second trilogy that starts with Cataclysm and move on from there. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're way ahead of ourselves here. Uh, next week, domestically, it's going. It's not making a dime. <laughs> no one's going to see it next week because next week, uh, my lovelies, Finding Dory comes out. Uh, I keep saying next week, but this weekend, uh, Finding Dory comes out, and uh, that's Pixar, and that's what everyone's going to be going to see. Yeah, Pixar has the best track record of any animation studio at the moment it has the best track record uh, both in terms of quality visually and quality narratively there's a grand total of one bad movie to pixar's name and that's relative speaking because if you ask any child under the age of 10 they'll tell you cars 2 is jim dandy um the other movie that's coming out that's in quote-unquote competition with finding dory and i'll tell you the only people going to see this one are either diehard fans of The Rock or people who just don't want to go see a Pixar film, and that is Central Intelligence. That is the You're underselling a large contingent of the population that find Kevin Hart funny. I don't, but they exist. Um, This is an action comedy uh, buddy picture featuring The Rock and Kevin Hart, as you mentioned. So um, it'll be interesting to see how well Central Intelligence does. But, yeah, Finding Dory ought to be the next billion-dollar picture. We don't have that too many this year. They've both been Disney. One of them's been Captain America. The other one's been Zootopia. Uh, the third one, also Disney, is creeping into the billions, and that's the Jungle Book. Uh, Finding Dory will be the third or the fourth this year, uh, bar none. Uh, I, I would be willing to bet uh, bet the house on it. And Wait. so that's... Wasn't the good so, dinosaur Pixar? Yes, the good yes. dinosaur was Pixar. Yeah, and wasn't that a flop? Uh, commercial. Commercially, it was a flop. We liked it. Well, bear in mind, when I say bad, I'm referring purely to film craft quality in this instance. The good dinosaur struggled financially. 
it also struggled uh, a little bit creatively because that that whole movie got reworked a few years prior to its release. Uh, every now and then you can see the Pixar movies that are whole visions from beginning, from conception to execution. And then there are the ones that kind of get kicked around a little bit. Uh, Brave would be in that same model as well. A movie that had a different uh, idea when it was conceived. The Good Dinosaur was the gambit of Pixar movies, if you will. Gambit's never getting made, so no, it's already infinitely better. Not your face. All right. Uh, and well, we say the same about Howard the Duck. I mean, that was uh, hinted at, what, two years ago? Howard yeah, the they, Duck? What? They, well, at the close, uh, the post credit scene for uh, Guardians of the Galaxy had Howard the Duck. <laughs> All righty. Um, Dad, what we're going to do is the, we're going to move on to our third and final segment of our weekly review. And uh, this is where I try to give Robert uh, Winfrey a stroke. Uh, this is <laughs> this is where we go to Rotten Tomatoes and we look at what the critics thought. And usually our no reaction to that God! is... No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 <laughs> Uh, that never gets old. Yeah, it's a oh, it will. With it, huh? <laughs> I usually do. So what happens here, Dad, is I go ahead and read um, some of these reviews that I find particularly funny, and or or, uh, or 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 ridiculous, and then I watch as Robert rams his head into the desk. So okay. feel free to feel free to jump in uh, if if you feel uh, your nipples tweaking. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and actually look at all, all critics here, all 136 here, because even the good ones are bad. Um, all right, so the first one comes from Vicky Roach of the Daily Telegraph of Australia that says the 5.5 million active subscribers to the gaming phenomenon deserve better. Do they deserve better, Robert? Well, that depends on our perspective here. They're paying out a – you know, with the advent of buying time with gold – that you can do now. I'm not sure how many of them are actually pumping money on a regular basis into the game. Probably some still. I mean, wow cards are still available everywhere, but no, you are not entitled to better based on paying for another product. Now, should the movie have been better? Yeah, sure. But paying into blizzard for access to wow entitles you to a good wow experience. But if you wanted to criticize something, you should say any poor schmuck who paid more than a dollar and fifteen cents for this thing deserved better. David Keyes of Cinemafile.org says, "Sitting through this adaptation left me with the impression that I was watching nothing more than overproduced cosplay." Tad disingenuous. I've seen much worse cosplay than was on display here. I've seen better too, ironically. Mm-hmm. And they're all dressed as Harley Quinn. No, Harley Quinn is entirely too pervasive, and uh, n- never mind. My rants on, ha- on Harley Quinn will come about after she is once again overexposed and not in a good way in Suicide Squad. Richard Lawson of Vanity Fair says, Having sat through this baffling movie's grueling two hours, I can't in good conscience even recommend it to Warcraft devotees. There's nothing here for anyone, neither man nor orc. Yeah, I, I I feel that's relatively accurate. 
Oh, boo. Dad, <laughs> tell him boo. Uh, I, again, I thought it was a fun movie. See? <laughs> uh, I don't know uh, what they expect. Fantasy movie with a lot of CGI's. I mean, I haven't seen too many orcs walking around in the real world. And if you're going <laughs> to judge everything by the the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy, you got a lot of crap movies out there. You ain't yeah. kidding. I would agree with the lot of crap movies out there sentiment. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a hell of a film. I mean, the, the Hobbit was... And if you've read The Hobbit, which is like uh, a kid's book... That's, I think, maybe 150 pages long. The Battle of the Five Armies is a paragraph and a half. Yeah. You know, you, you got to realize that that movie was made because of the Lord of the Rings, and they just, you know, threw whatever they could in there to make it six hours, nine hours long, or however freak it was. Uh, too, entirely too long. Oh, boy, have we had many discussions on that movie. Uh, Matt Brunson of Creative Loafing says, after trying and torturous, oh, after trying and torturous opening, the story starts coming into view, and Warcraft soon emerges as well. It's a feasible flick, but it improves enough to avoid. Sorry, it's a feeble flick, but it improves enough to avoid the year-end ten worst placement that initially appeared to be its birthright. Um, that's accurate. This, I, I, I forgot to mention this earlier. This was nowhere near as bad as it could have been. It really was. Roger, Roger Moore disagrees with you. Uh, Roger Moore of Movie Nation says, I was bored out of my skull. That's a professional reviewer, folks. That is somebody who was paid to do this, who wrote, as his part of his review, I was bored out of my skull. Yeah, there are pl- of all the criticisms you can level at this movie, I don't think... Uh, being boring is a valid one. I mean, if anything, it moves entirely too quickly. Uh, Chrissy Puchko of Comic Book Resources says, don't believe the bad buzz. Yeah, you tell him, Christy. Jones has embraced the, quote, unfilmable game and made a ferocious and fun journey through the worlds of Warcraft. Okay, let me stop you right there. <laughs> oh, boy. Let's start with ferocious. I mean, I get you were going for a little bit of alliteration there, but no. There are, there are better F words, and yes, I'm aware of what I just said there, to attach prior to fun in this particular instance. This movie is not ferocious under any sense of that word, apart from maybe comparison to your average Disney Junior offering. You don't even watch Disney Junior. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm aware of its existence. I'm aware of the target audience. And you talk about it enough for me to feel like I have a decent enough grasp of the quality and type of content they provide. I don't know, Dad. You watch a lot of Disney Junior because you babysit my kids enough. What do you think? I think it was better than Disney. Frankly, uh, the Mickey Mouse Club, I preferred it when Annette Cello was in it. I would agree with that. You preferred Annette Finicello. Uh, James Vernier of the Boston Herald. This one's for you, Robert. A CG hot mess. <sighs> I want to agree with that in sentiment, but unfor- th- there's some unfortunate wording there. This is 
mediocre CGI. This is not the worst CGI I've seen even this year. That would go to every preview I saw for the Turtles. Okay, here's somebody else who does this for a living, folks. Willie Waffle of, of WaffleMovies.com says, The Dreck of the Dreck. David is zero out of four, by the way. Okay, sir. Hang on. <laughs> does he give a reason? Well, these all have full reviews you can click on. So these are portions of the review that Rotten Tomatoes either decided or somebody else um, or these individually submitted to Rotten Tomatoes. So of whatever it was he wrote, however long his review was, he decided the thing to put on Rotten Tomatoes was the dreck of the dreck. It's a fundamentally, a fundamentally untrue statement. statement. If you're going to compare this to all cinematic dreck ever put to screen, I'll even do you all a favor before lambasting this individual. And let's exclude made-for-TV movies. Because then you, sir, have no leg to stand on. Even simply limiting that to feature-length, theatrical, wide releases. Let's go ahead and throw another qualifier on there. Wide releases. I've had to suffer through the Fantastic Four. (laughs) Both times. Any day I was about of the to say week, which bad version. <laughs> Zing. Uh, I had to suffer through Halle Berry's Catwoman. <laughs> Why? Why would you purposely watch that movie? You weren't doing reviews with me at the time. No. I heard how bad it was, and some dim part of my naive brain went, it can't be that bad. Oh, you, what were you, nine of the I, I learned that day, ladies and gentlemen. I learned. This is not the worst cinematic direct. This is not even the worst cinematic direct of the year thus far. No, that was Money Monster, according to you. Uh, if I'd seen Turtles, it would have been that. And we would have been yelling at each other. Turtles was the greatest <laughs> thing ever captured on the film. Sean P. Means of the Salt Lake Tribune so that Robert can drive a few hours and punch him in the face. It's about an hour. It's an hour round trip. Even with Jones's occasional flashes of visual wonder, the story is a dull hodgepodge of fantasy elements to readers of J.R.R. Tolkien, George R.R. Martin, and authors who don't have extraneous middle initials. (laughs) R.R. I appreciate the jab at the middle initials, but, uh... Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just kind of fundamentally agree with that. There are occasional visuals. There are no news stories. I mean, hell, I read out my science, my library when I was a kid. They're all basically the same. They're really, you know, the variations are minor. So when you start saying that, you can say that about any film that's out there. Yeah. I mean, they're they're, they're all remakes of some old film in some degree. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, a, a, a buddy movie... Body movies. It's just whatever little take that you make on it that makes it a little different, or sometimes not even that. Hell, they made uh, the oh geez, this is back in the 30s, I think. Uh, it happened one night, six times with six different actors, and changed three words. <laughs> it's true. Uh, boy, have you heard me? Bring, see, see, I, I'm not that different from my dad, actually. Uh, Rick Bentley of the Fresno Bee. 
Warcraft has achieved a lofty goal. There hasn't been a movie as unrelentingly bad since Jupiter Ascending managed to surpass the bloated and pitiful Battlefield Earth as the worst big-budget science fiction film of all time. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> whoa. If you want to say this, uh, you haven't seen something this bad since Jupiter Ascending, That's an, that is potentially an appropriate chronological qualifier to make your statement somewhat accurate. I'm not sure I'd completely nope, agree no with that. that. Sorry, nothing will ever be as bad as Jupiter Ascending that spends a lot of time with Mina, uh, whatever her fuck her name is, scrubbing fucking toilets in a science fiction film. Look, Mila Kunis is just not very useful, as a general rule. More useful than scrubbing toilets. Have you seen Jupiter just, Ascending, Dad? Dad, have you seen I didn't Jupiter think it was, I didn't think it was. I mean, it certainly didn't live up to perform. They tried to play it off as, and it really wasn't even as good as the uh, the Dune. <laughs> my primary gripe there is, this is not as bad as Battlefield Earth, because right. very, very, think- very few movies are as bad. As Battlefield Earth, that is uh, that, uh, that I agree with 100. percent Battlefield you Earth, Land Nine from Outer Space, Manos Hands of Fate, or Tommy well, Wiseau's on. The Room. Hang on, hang on a second, because because you have to know this. I ha- you must you must understand when I tell you this, Robert Winfrey. That's not the first time I've seen Warcraft compared to Battlefield Earth. That I was a very, that's a very popular notion. It's fundamentally untrue as well. Battlefield Earth is irredeemable in every conceivable way. That movie single-handedly killed John Travolta's career for a decade. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker, if if people remember that Forrest Whitaker's in it, they will they'll kind of roll their heads and go, "Wait a minute, that guy won an Oscar. What's he doing in this?" Barry Pepper even deserves better. All right. Battlefield Earth is one of the worst movies of all time. I've got to go there. It's right up there with uh, Plan 9 from Out of Space. There we go. There it is again. All right, last one here, and then we're going to retire this for the evening and get the plugs. Um, I want my dad to be able to plug some of his stuff, so uh, I want to make some time for it. Turdad Darakshani. Take that, uh, Chris. Not you, Dad. Somebody else. Uh, Philadelphia Inquirer. Top critic. Just because you come up with names such as Azeroth, Duratan, Orgrim, and Gromash Hellscream doesn't mean you're J.R.R. Tolkien, people. Well, now you're so attempting they... to ascribe entirely too much to this. And second of all, I don't think they ever mentioned Grom Hellscream in this movie, which is a crying shame because Grom is awesome. However, <laughs> all you did was out yourself as a bit of a wow nerd there. <laughs> Actually, I got one more here, because this is really funny, and then we're done. Uh, Kyle Smith of the New York Post, yet another top critic. He gets paid to do this, folks. Jones, ampersand, is trying to deliver something like the Lord of the Rings minus the boring bit, but without the boring bit, what you have is itchy and scratchy with maces. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, two things. One, I agree with the sentiment that, and you and I have talked about this in the past, 
the bits of character development are utterly critical to Lord of the Rings. Otherwise, who cares? I agree with that sentiment. This is not itchy and scratchy. Itchy and scratchy is exponentially more violent, and I'll go out on a minor limb here and say I get more entertainment value out of their 15 to 20 second murder fest on the end of this episode of The Simpsons than I did out of this. You have impugned the integrity of Itchy and Scratchy, sir, and we will not stand for it. I don't want to start a whole new conversation with five minutes left of the live cast, and I'm sure my father has other shit he wants to do tonight, so I'm just going to throw this out there and let people stare upon it and think. I, I wonder if this would have gotten more of an audience in the United States had they decided to go full bore and um, go with more of a Game of Thrones motif where it's just ghoulish violence and tits uh, for two hours. Not. You don't think so? Nope. Not no. in any way, shape, not form, or fashion. You know, this would have found more of an audience if this had been a violent murder fest with tits? It would not have been it released have in been... China. Well, no. I'm talking in the United States. Well, uh, let's consider the totality of it then. If it's not released in China, you're not going to make up that revenue by making this an R-rated film in the United States. Yeah. If anything, you're going to put off a big chunk of the audience. I don't see it honoring a, a bigger audience. If you want to do the gore fest, you go to the horror movies. <laughs> or you watch Game of Thrones. All right. Um, I want to thank my uh, my dad for joining us tonight. He didn't have to do this, but I but I made him. Yeah, I threatened to put him in a home. Or fate worse than death. No, um, in all honesty, I asked him to go see the movie uh, when he had some time and to come talk about it because I know that he uh, he's a huge fan of high fantasy, so I thought this would be a fun one for him to come on. So I certainly appreciate that. Thank you, Dad. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Dad, you're welcome. Dad, you are uh, you do some politicking. You you just you do some uh, local lobbying. Why don't you tell the good people what it is you're involved with, what groups, and if you've got any events you want to plug? Uh, well, the only thing to say is uh, don't do what you're going to do, which is vote for Trump. Oh, for goodness sake. <laughs> I'm a Democrat, true and true, and I really have no clue why anybody votes for a Republican. But That's not, that's not how we do this podcast, sir. I asked you to what organizations do you belong to and what events are they having locally that you can promote, sir? Uh, we're having a 4th of July parade if you want to come and march with the Democrats in Hillsborough County. What is your position with the Democrats? Um, I keep saying you're like the president of the Hillsborough County uh, Democrat Club, but I don't know if I'm accurate about that. Vice president. Uh, 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 that position <laughs> as much as I possibly possibly. Okay. Is that why, that why you're fighting me on this? Okay, got it. Well, thank uh, you. My move on days. Move on is going for practical purposes. Yes, it is. Um, okay, so you're a member of the Hillsborough County Democrat Club. Is there anything else that you're involved with? No, not at this time, actually. No. Do you have a, are you still doing a blog or anything? No. No, I, I no longer need the catharsis of, uh, of writing it down, which okay. was the only and reason I ever did it. I have uh, spectacular. Uh, I have a spectacular failure at changing people's opinions, at least the ones I argue with online. 
don't think I've ever changed anybody's opinion. Yeah, I was going to say, I think your, your success rate is zero. Um, all right. Well, if you, if you do want to interact with my father or you are a Democrat uh, here in Hillsborough County uh, in the great state of Florida, um, you can check him out on Twitter. He's at, at C Radulich, that's uh, C-R-A-D-U-L-I-C-H. Um, that's where you can interact with him. Uh, and if you just want to talk to him about movies, now that you've heard some of his opinions, same place, at C Radulich on Twitter. Dad, thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Have a good night. Good night. And free, take over. Oh, if you insist. <laughs> what are you tired? You got something to do here? What's going on with you? Eh, very little. All right, this Saturday, I will have live coverage of UFC Fight Night 89 in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. This card is headlined by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson fighting Rory McDonald. Wonderboy! I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> I am nothing as unpredictable. I almost missed talking almost with you about Alexander <laughs> Why is that? Because of your bet about Sweden. Ah, yes. Ikea is from Sweden. Ah, and you missed the follow-up. I like, I like meatballs. There you go. Dance monkey. Uh, anyway, the rest of that card is uh, a tad iffy, but the main event is really good. That's a great fight. So stop by, say hello for that. I appreciate it. This Sunday, uh, the 411 Ground and Pound radio show will be live again with me and probably Jeff Harris reviewing UFC Fight Night 89. You can listen to last week's episode when I previewed Fight Night 89. Uh, that show takes live callers, if you're so inclined. Mark and I will be back next week to review Finding Dory, because apparently Ellen DeGeneres is difficult to locate. It's funny because she's not. She's not. <laughs> so last week was Turtles Week, plus hell yeah. Uh, we reviewed, Jesse Star- Starcher and Jason Teasley and I reviewed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Out of the Shadows, Rob Winfrey was Mark, off. I need you to admit uh, something to me here publicly. Nope. <laughs> You're ahead. trying to replace me. No. You're irreplaceable. I heard it last week when I listened to that show. I heard I knew which one of them who you were trying to replace me with too. Who am I trying to replace you with? You're trying to replace me with Starcher's daughter. <laughs> she was great. <laughs> she's she's from so far, uh as far as, you know, the amount of kids I've had on this show, she's far superior to my daughter. She's, you know, she's spoken full sentences and everything. Yeah, I know. You're, you're trying to oust me. You know, replace me with hey, more positivity. I thought Kira Starcher was a star, and uh, I think the more I know, we get her on the right... I'm suddenly insecure about my job. If she'd sucked, I wouldn't care. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. Um, <laughs> so, last week, uh, like I said, we, uh, we did that, and you were off living the life fantastic. And then, of course, we had an all-star panel of 110 people come on to talk about the Teenage Turtles trilogy. And I read your bit. Did I do a good job of that? Did you feel well represented? Yeah, I was. In, I wished I would have had more time to appropriately craft my arguments. I kind of rushed through getting it typed up the night before I had to leave. 
But you did, well, a, you did a good job of reading it, and I apologize for that jab of, at you about flanderization, but I felt somewhat vindicated since you felt compelled to argue a couple of my points. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so this past, so yesterday, uh, Jesse Starcher and I ripped to shreds the new Volbeat album, sealed the deal and let's boogie. Um, tomorrow, a bit of a change of pace, no long road to ruin. Instead, Robert Cooper, who missed this week's MHOD, and boy, is he happy about that. We're going to review the new Netflix series, Voltron in Totem. Um, also, Voltron the Legendary Defender. Yeah, great show. We'll talk all about it tomorrow at 9.30. Also, at 10 o'clock, if you're a Live Nation subscriber, tickets go on sale for Clutch at uh, the Hard Rock in um, – at the Hard Rock – at the House of Blues uh, at Disney Springs in uh, Lake Buena Vista, Florida. Mind the alligators. Um, so next week, as we talked about, uh, the new Throssum Blot comes out. We'll be reviewing it. Uh, actually, it comes out Friday. Uh, Throssum Blot 3 – We'll be reviewing that on the Metal Hammer of Doom, uh, then Finding Dory, and then Sean Comer and I will be reviewing the new uh, Orange is the New Black Season 4, which drops on Netflix this Friday. So um, no, no four-part review this time. We're going to review the whole thing in two hours, and whatever we don't get to, well, tough shit. Um, the following you know, I actually week... pinpointed the moment I gave up on that series. Oh, what was that? The Return of Porn Stash. I just couldn't take it anymore. I can understand that. Um, the following week, Metal Hammer of Doom will re- be reviewing the new Whitechapel, assuming I'm home from hog hunting in time. Going to go out and shoot feral pigs, baby. It's going to be fantastic. What are you uh, using? June what are you using? Uh, a rented, rented hunting rifle. Um, Make sure it's high enough my- caliber. Killing those things is not easy. Well, I'm renting it from the guide, so I'm assuming they'll have a caliber enough sufficient to shoot the and kill the hog. Uh, right. June 29th. Good luck. Kill many pigs. I hope so. Um, at this point, I'm hoping I just don't fall out of the tree stand my fat ass. Uh, June 29th for the fourth time, we'll be reviewing Independence Day Resurgence. I will not be taking my daughter to that. We, 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 are, we have almost concluded the summer of blockbuster daddy-daughter movies because we're either running into in situations where she's going to be at camp or uh, there's just not enough time for me to take her to, or, or there's no, or I don't want to take her to, you know, I don't want to take her to see Independence Day, and I don't want to take her to see Tarzan. Uh, and those are going to be the movies coming up after that. Well, Tarzan so, does look pretty terrible. I don't think she'd really be interested in that. Um, however, we're, we're going to see, as a family, we're going to see The Secret Life of Pets. So that's another one where, you know, we won't be going just the two of us. We'll be going as a family to the drive-in. Actually, uh, because I'm an awesome husband, Despite what people on the internet are implying, uh, this is a very giving relationship we have. We give. Uh, my wife goes to see Clutch with me and then takes the next day off. I go with her to go see the double feature of The Secret Life of Pets and my Big Fat Greek Wedding too. Well, one of those is terrible. One of those is terrible. It is. And I'm a good husband, so I'm agreeing to stay for the terrible one. Yeah, well, if she's willing to go out of her way so that you can go try to recapture your youth at a clutch show, then you should probably make a few sacrifices. So I think the last show that I'm taking, the last movie that I'm taking Lily to before she goes back to school is Ghostbusters. So that was why would you? Why, Mark? No, no, no. Just no. Yes. How could you do yes. that to a child? No. What do you mean? How could I? 
How could you traumatize a child by in, by suffocating them in that crap? She wants to see the ghost movie with her daddy. You have failed fundamentally to instill within her a knowledge of what is good and what is crap. Listen, my father took me to Ghostbusters when I was but a youngin. I am doing yes, the generational because crap. You won't know this is crap until we see it and review it and tell Mark, everyone to go see it. Mark, I don't need to see it to know that it's going to be bad. I need to see it to know specifics. Okay, Gavin. It's going to be... I, Ghostbusters is going to make a million, a billion dollars. Easy. I, it probably will, and we will all move one step closer to the second coming of Christ because you people can't quite understand how bad that is. So I so I think so it, it goes like this. Ghostbusters. We're taking a you know daddy daughter break here because of you know scheduling issues and movie issues. But I'm going to take it to see Ghostbusters despite your cries. And then after that is Star Trek Beyond, which she has no interest in, and I have no interest in taking her. I have no interest in Beyond reviewing it. Get it Beyond. Yeah. And then there's the Jason Bourne uh, movie, which she has no yeah. interest in taking her. Um, and then Suicide Squad, which I'm not allowed to take her to, according to my wife. And I, you know, realistically, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, yeah. Then she starts school again August 10th, and the movie that comes out August 12th is Pete's Dragon. And I'm working that weekend, which means I can't take her to go see it. So I'm going to be the weirdo on Friday night, August 12th, who's going to be, you know, the lone adult male being Pete's Dragon. If it'll make you feel better, I'll be doing the same thing because we have to review it. Fair enough. You and I can be the old creepy men together. You and I need to sit down in preparation for setting up next year's schedule and decide just which of these movies we're going to be the lone creepy old men at. (laughs) There's there's quite a few to choose from. You see, I'm tempted to veto the Barbie movie based purely on that sentiment. You know I'm going to be taking my daughter to that, right? That's half the reason it made the list. I am aware that you will be taking her. I'm also aware that if I have to see that, I'm a 30-year-old guy sitting in the middle of a theater watching a Barbie movie alone. Well, bring, bring glasses and a notepad. That way you look like a reviewer. No, then I look like even more of a pedophile. How? What would you do if you what would you do if you went to a commercially released film and saw a guy taking notes? Assume he's a reviewer, you you weirdo. You I I don't. You live in Florida, you should know better. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Look, all we're concerned about is the gators might take our children. That's not all you're concerned about, although it is a it is you know, up there. Um, what comes out the week of Barbie? Do we know? I haven't looked it up. I just remember seeing it on the list and just like dying a little inside. <laughs> because I completely understand why you want it and the circumstances under which you will be seeing it. And I just had to, again, the moment was like, man, I I have to see that and I have to see it alone. Okay. So I'm looking at it right now. Okay. I'm looking at the schedule. Currently, and, and this is subject to change because more movies might be released by this point, but the week of May 12th, okay, so we are, we are right in the thick 
of, of, of the blockbuster season, okay, which starts proper uh, May 5th with Guardians of the Galaxy 2, okay, so in the Money Monster spot, you have two choices. You have Barbie from Columbia Pictures, which, is, which looks to be live action, not animated. And then you have Mother Daughter from 20th Century Fox starting uh, Amy Schumer. Oh, God. Which, by the way, is an action comedy. So I'm taking two- option number three. <laughs> That's the movie you're skipping that year? No, that will probably be the noose hanging over my bed. <laughs> oh, I hate to think that our, that, our me- that our measly little podcast is going to cause you to kill yourself. It might be the straw that breaks the proverbial camel's back. No, you have to last to at least June 23rd when we review Transformers the last night. Oh, God. <laughs> you, I don't know what I did in this life or a past life to offend you so egregiously. It's not my fault they're making these stupid movies. You're paying to <laughs> I see them. It's your fault. Well, you got a point You're there. part of but the I mean, problem. Be part of the solution. People, if the movie's bad, just don't see it. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, Jay Sherman. All right. I think, I think that, that's a great place to end this podcast tonight. All right. Again, we'll be back next week to talk about Finding Dory. We might talk a little bit about Finding Nemo along the way because it's a sequel. And we'll probably be praising Pixar up and down as commercial and artistic geniuses because they are uh until then for mark radelich and his father christopher i'm robert winfrey i'm going to remind everyone out there to please continue to be well be safe and behave